Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones, back here today as Purdue has gotten a little bit of time off this week as they have three games left in the regular season as they prepare for Indiana in what should be a wild atmosphere inside Mackey Arena on Saturday. It's a good time to sit back here on the show today. We'll preview Saturday's matchup against the Hoosiers, of course, but I asked for some mailbag questions, and boy, did you guys deliver. Uh, there were more questions that I got submitted for this episode than I could fit. So if I don't get to your question today, please don't take it personal. It will be on next week's show. Um I certainly wanted to prioritize the Purdue versus IU questions and some of the more current questions. A lot of NCAA tournament stuff. Uh, I will certainly get on some of those today, and then some of those will be held for the midweek episode next week. Um, kind of the ones more, you know, that are a little bit less time sensitive. Um, and we'll do that. We'll do the same deal. We'll record on Sunday after Purdue IU and then have a midweek show before Purdue finishes the season with Wisconsin and Illinois. Um, again, though, I can't thank you guys enough for all of the questions. So much good stuff, so much good to talk about here. Um, I'm really excited for this episode. Let's get into it real quick. Again, if you don't already, be sure to follow on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. A lot of content there, a lot of engagement. Love hanging out with you guys there. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever it may be. We are everywhere, but make sure that you don't miss an episode as we enter the crunch time of the season. And if you're a fan of the show, I uh, always appreciate positive reviews on podcast platforms and tell a friend. Uh, we're in the crunch time here, so... If you got a friend that you're talking Purdue sports with, uh, send them send them to the show. Uh, we're we're always looking to grow this thing. So, uh, word of mouth is the best publicity, as they say. But Purdue plays Indiana on Saturday, a 7:30 tip off national broadcast on Fox, a top 20 matchup. Purdue comes in ranked fifth in the AP poll. Indiana 17th. And this is a crazy stat that I saw. Uh, the two teams are in the AP poll for a game inside Mackey Arena for the first time in 24 years. That's a stat from goldenblack.com's Alan Karpik. Uh, I could not believe that when I saw that. Um, but it, it makes sense. Uh, you look back at, you know, like 2008, 2016, earlier this year, uh, those were all games in Assembly Hall. So uh, certainly going to be a wild atmosphere in there. Indiana, however, is going for the season sweep of Purdue. It would be their first season with two wins over Purdue since 2013. Uh, that, of course, was a season where Indiana was very good and Purdue was very much not good, <laughs> to put it as lightly as possible. Indiana still technically is mathematically alive for a share of the Big Ten title. It is extremely unlikely 
now that they lost to Michigan State. Uh, I record this here on Wednesday night. Um, So last night, Tuesday night, Indiana lost at Michigan State. That dropped them to seven league losses. Meanwhile, tomorrow night, Northwestern will play um, at Illinois. However that game goes, if Illinois wins, Purdue can clinch a share of the Big Ten regular season title with a win on Saturday. If Northwestern beats Illinois, then Purdue will still need two two more wins to clinch a share of the regular season title. Um, and of course, you know, whatever happens with Northwestern along the way happens. But if Purdue wins on Saturday, no matter what, Indiana will be out of the race for a Big Ten regular season title. Uh, so a lot could be on the line. Certainly, you know, I, I'm recording this. It's 8.40 on Wednesday night. So in just about 24 hours, I think a lot of Purdue fans will have their eyes on the State Farm Center to see what happens there to see if Purdue is going to be playing for a share of the Big Ten title on Saturday. You know, I think there are some reasons looking at this game why you should feel pretty good about Purdue uh, in this game on Saturday. You know, for starters, if you look back at the first matchup when Indiana won 79-74, Purdue played pretty poorly in that game. Of course, the 16 turnovers are what everyone remembers. Uh, Purdue went 10 of 17 from the free throw line. Uncharacteristic for them. Uh, A really poor free throw performance. And I don't remember how many of those misses were the front end of a one and one, but I believe it was at least a couple. So you really factor in those as two misses more than one, and it's worse than it is. And Indiana shot 52% from the field. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not good. Uh, that's not good at all. But despite all of that, Purdue was still right there in the end. Uh, two minutes to go. Braden Smith hit a jumper, and it was a one-point game. At that point, you know, a one-point game with two minutes to go, it's a bit of a coin flip. And Indiana came out on top. Indiana deserved to win that game. But... Even with how much went wrong for Purdue, they were right there in a really tough atmosphere. Uh, That place was rocking down in Assembly Hall for that game. It's going to be that same type of environment inside Mackey Arena on Saturday night. It's going to be nuts. And if you look at it, Indiana is a much better team at home than they are on the road. On the season, Indiana's four and seven overall on the road, three and six in Big Ten play. Uh, they just lost on the road at Michigan State earlier this week. So I think, of course, being in Mackey Arena is kind of the ultimate advantage for Purdue. But against a team that, in particular, is not great on the road and over the years has not been great on the road. I think that really helps Purdue. I think a little bit of time off is really nice here. Um, Purdue, for most of the last month, they'd have played one more game than everyone else in the Big Ten. Of course, that's just the way the schedule works. There's nothing you can do about it. 
but it's nice now for Purdue that they get, you know, five days between games, Monday through Friday, all no game. I know Matt Painter said they were going to get a couple days off in there, get rested up a little bit. You know, certainly Zach Eady's taking a beating. Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, a little bit of time to rest. You know, these guys are going through something they've never been through before. Mason Gillis, Caleb First, Trey Kaufman-Wren, you know, they're, they're taking shots down low too. So it's nice for Purdue to get a little bit of time to recharge, to rest up a bit. And then if you look at the other side, I, I can't claim to be an Indiana expert by any means, but I certainly uh, talk to a lot of IU people, and some of the vibe is that they uh, don't necessarily think that they're well-rested. They, their bench hasn't been what they want it to be lately. And ultimately, you know, they worry that their guys are starting to wear down, that Trace Jackson Davis is starting to wear down. Uh, my guy Boiler Uniforms had the most absurd stat on Twitter this morning that in the Ohio State game, I think Zach Eady rested for 14 or 15 minutes. I think he played 25 or 26. But those 14 or 15 minutes that Zach Eady was subbed out is more time then Trace Jackson Davis has been subbed out in the entire month of February. Uh, that uh, that stat's almost unbelievable, but Indiana's asking a ton of him. Uh, he is delivered in every possible way, but you know maybe if they're starting to wear down, this could be a nice situation for Purdue. Of course, that all is to be taken with a grain of salt because we know it is Purdue, Indiana. Uh, you can never feel can never feel too good or too bad going into this game because it is it's a rivalry game. I'm not always a you know fan of the old cliche that the records go out the window, but you know to a certain degree, uh, anything's on the table when these two teams play. There's a whole lot of pride that these guys are playing for. Um, these Indiana players have never won inside Mackey Arena. You look at a guy like Trace Jackson Davis, who is in the top five in school history at Indiana in scoring. Uh, you know he would like to get a win in Mackey Arena. He doesn't want that you know, 0-4 inside Mackey Arena to be attached to his name forever. Um, Indiana did some good things in that first game. They were able to disrupt Purdue. They were able to force a lot of those turnovers. Uh, they they played a good game. Is Xavier Johnson going to be back? You know, that's kind of the question on Twitter. He's certainly feeding into the speculation as much as he possibly can. I don't know. I have no clue. I have no inside injury sources there. But, you know, overall, it's a game that, I think Purdue should feel cautiously good about. It's one that if Purdue plays well, I think they're going to win. But ultimately, you know, it it represents a real possibility here that either Purdue is going to clinch a share of the Big Ten title with a win or move themselves within a game of it and potentially 
you know, clinch a share with a Northwestern loss somewhere along the road. Um, just you, they're in such a good spot that if you can take care of business, if you can get a win, uh, you just have to be absolutely ecstatic. Starting off the Q&A here, I've got a number of Purdue IU questions. Uh, the first one, you know, how does Purdue adjust to the way they guarded Trace Jackson Davis? Um, and I, I have two questions on this. You know, one of them, talking about if Purdue's fours can can guard Trace Jackson Davis, you know, putting Zach Eady in a lot of drop coverage when Indiana goes with those high ball screens with mostly Jalen Hood Shafino and Trace Jackson Davis, uh, Trey Galloway will handle the ball some on those as well. But, you know, I, you have to know that Trace Jackson Davis is going to get his to a certain degree. He's not a guy that you're going to just, you know, hold to two for 14 shooting and six points. Like, that's not on the table with him. That's not a realistic outcome. What is realistic? Making him labor. Uh, you know, you look at the first matchup. He had 25 points on 9 of 19 shooting. You know, he got to the foul line more than you would have liked. 7 for 9 from the line. But if you just look at that 9 for 19 shooting from face value, I don't think that's too bad. If you're getting defensive rebounds and limiting them to one shot, that's not terrible. A few of those makes, too, were in transition. Uh, those runouts where I know he had a lob or two um, on a fast break. Uh, even a few buckets where Indiana maybe got a score that didn't calculate as a fast break bucket, but where they were well ahead of Purdue and had an advantageous matchup in the front court there. Um that is a direct correlation of Purdue's turnovers, those live ball turnovers. If Purdue can keep Indiana out of transition, you take away one of the ways that Trace Jackson Davis is really dangerous because he is going to beat you down the floor. Um, he he is faster than Zach Eady. There's, there's no getting away from that. Having Zach Eady on the floor in the half court, though, I, I think is really beneficial Yes, you're going to put him in drop coverage. I mean, you can't you can't really have him coming all the way up and then you expose yourself to that lob on the back end. Um, you know, you just have to live with some things with Zach Eady out there. Now, where it gets dangerous is how good Jalen Hood Shafino is in the mid range off of the high ball screen, but you kind of live with that. Um, you know, again, he's not a guy you can take out of the game, but if you can, in terms of produce fours, yes. You know, if if he's catching the ball and you have Zach Eady just kind of playing the rover spot, um, you know, you can do some things. You can't put a four. You're not going to put Caleb First or Mason Gillis on him one-on-one -on -one and expect great things. Nobody is going to do great one-on-one -on, -one on Trace Jackson Davis. He's an All-American. Uh, he's a first-team All-Big Ten guy. One-on-one -on -one matchups aren't going to work with him. He'll cook you there. But I, I think the biggest key, if you're Purdue, is making him labor. 
you know, again, he's he's getting worn down. Um, and that's not to take anything away from his performances because he's been remarkable. But I do think there's something to the observation that he is starting to wear down a bit. He's been asked to play absurd numbers of minutes. So if you can just make him labor, work really hard for everything he gets, work hard in the half court, then I think you feel good. And of course, you know you know what he wants to get to. He's good at getting to it, but he wants to get to that right block and he wants to spin over his right shoulder to get in the middle to that left-hand jump hook. That's what he's trying to get to all game. If you can stop him from getting there, then you're in a great spot. But it's easier said than done against a guy that good. Um, Additionally, you have to keep him off the glass. And that's where sometimes having Edie and drop coverage gets difficult because it's a little bit harder to find that box out when you're not necessarily guarding someone body to body. But you have to limit Indiana to one shot because Trace Jackson Davis is a really good offensive rebounder, and he's especially good at rebounding his own misses. He's really active there. Um, I know that's a lot a lot to answer, but long story short, just make him work for everything he gets, and if you can force him to be inefficient, then you're you know you're kind of winning that battle. I had this one. Would another loss to Indiana signify the end of Matt Painter's dominance over them? And I, I think it's a little complex. The The short answer is probably, you know, if you lose three of four to somebody, then yeah, you know, saying you're, you're dominant over them probably goes out the window. Um, now, overall you know, what Purdue's done in this rivalry is quite impressive. Um, from 2000, you know, the 08-09 season to to present day, Purdue's lost, what would that be, seven games to Indiana, um, four in the 2012-2013. Yeah, yeah. They've lost seven games to Indiana since... Uh, Tom Crean took over at Indiana. So that's pretty good. That's, what is that? 14 seasons, you've lost a total of six games to Indiana. Purdue had a nine-game win streak in there. I want to say they had a five-game win streak or so with the Baby Boilers. Um, So Purdue's done pretty well there. But, yeah, you know, if Purdue loses, dominance is probably a bridge too far. Um but what Purdue did for a while was quite impressive. You know, it is it is a rivalry. These games are emotional. They're tough. To win nine of them in a row, that's quite impressive. Uh, those I, Some of those IU teams were remarkably underwhelming, but Purdue got the job done on them. Um, I, I think a lot of what has happened has to do with Indiana. Um, it also has to do with Purdue. Purdue's been really good over the past decade and a half, but Indiana's been kind of floundering. If a team's just solid, you know, it's really hard to dominate them when you're going on the road in the Big Ten and just the number of moving pieces, it gets tough, but, you know, Purdue's done a nice job 
as a whole since Tom Crean took over. But, you know, right now, Indiana is as competent as they've been since the 2016, 2015-16 season. So, yeah, I mean, dominance would be a bridge too far if Purdue loses on Saturday. Maybe it's a bridge too far right now. But I think, you know, pretty clearly Purdue is in a really good spot as a program. Uh, And most certainly, they have accomplished a lot more uh, in this time frame that you're referring to than Indiana has. Had one as well. If Purdue loses to Indiana but gets a share of the Big Ten title, is the season a failure? Uh, No. Uh, I would say no to this. Um, I think any... Any season in which you get a share of the Big Ten title, uh, and I say this before any NCAA tournament results are in, just going off the regular season alone, any season where you get a share of the Big Ten title, pretty hard to consider that a failure. Um, It's not an easy league. I know it's not the most top-heavy Big Ten this year, but it's still not a cakewalk to get a share of of the Big Ten title. So no, um, I, I would not classify it as a failure. You know, again, you it, it's hard to talk about preseason expectations now, now that we're 20 ga- 28 games into the season and have quite, you know, quite quickly found out that Purdue was a little better than we thought they'd be. But um, no, it, it would not be a failure. Would it maybe be a disappointing end to the regular season? to not have closed it out with an outright title. Yeah, it probably would be a bit of a disappointing end, but you know, if you're finishing 26 and 5 or 25 and 6 with a share of a conference title, boy, I think it's hard to call that record a failure almost no matter how high your expectations were, but certainly not with where Purdue's were. A few player questions here. What does Fletcher Lawyer need to do to get going? Uh, Obviously, he's been cold of late. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me of what he's been over the last 10 games or so, but it's down in the 20%, and it might even be the low 20%. He's been cold. Um, I think having this week off here, he's a guy who it could really help. If you look at a report from last weekend from Jeff Goodman, who was in West Lafayette. He talked about Fletcher Lawyer battling a calf injury a little bit. That would make some sense. Uh, again, it's it's a long season for these freshmen. Uh, the, this is not what they're used to doing. This is much different for Fletcher Lawyer this year than it was playing in the Summit Athletic Conference last year. It is a big difference when you are playing, uh, like last week, when you are playing Maryland on a Thursday and Ohio State on a Sunday, than it is playing Columbia City on a Wednesday and Fort Wayne Wayne on a Friday. A complete different world. So, you know, is he wearing down a little bit? Yes. Uh, Teams are being very physical with him. Uh, that's something he's probably not used to, intense level of basketball. But I I think also you just kind of hope it's a water finds its level type of situation. 
Fletcher Lawyer's a better three-point shooter than his numbers indicate. He's sitting right at 33% right now. I I think he's a better three-point shooter than that. It's obvious to everyone that he's a better three-point shooter than that. Maybe he's due to get hot, but what does he need to do? I just think maybe this week could really help. Um, he's getting good looks. He's not taking a lot of bad shots, but you know, if you can, and he's trying, he's doing a decent job of it. Get inside, score where you can, and those open three-point looks will come, and eventually they're going to start falling. Who is Purdue's most important bench player for the Indiana game? Uh, This one said, I'd opt to say David Jenkins Jr. because many times this season, Braden Smith has been gassed late in games. If Jenkins can relieve him, I think that'd be huge. I'd probably agree with that. Uh, You look at what Indiana's going to do. They're going to pressure the ball hard. Whether they go with a full court press, I don't know. But you know that per, that Indiana is going to pressure the ball handler in the half court. Purdue's got to get that offense initiated. You've got to get good entry passes to Zach Eady. If if uh, David Jenkins Jr. can knock down some shots, that's a cherry on top. That's even better. But taking that pressure off of Braden Smith is always welcomed. Indiana is going to try to force him into some of those freshman mistakes. You know, you saw them kind of bait him into leaving his feet a few times in the matchup in Assembly Hall. They're going to try to bait him into bad decisions again on Saturday. And if he can avoid those, you know, you certainly hope so. He's learned from all of his mistakes so far, so there's no reason to think he wouldn't. But, yeah, David Jenkins Jr. coming off the bench is going to be huge. You know, Purdue dealt with some foul trouble in that first game. You want to avoid it this time around, but if someone gets in foul trouble, David Jenkins is your most reliable guard option off the bench. Uh, you need him to to play well, but I would say that Trey Kaufman-Ren is right there too. I think if you look at where on the bench is really important in the game matchup, I, I just think you look at the Trey Kaufman-Ren and Malik Renew matchup, uh, they're different. You know, Malik Renew is going to play alongside Trace Jackson Davis, whereas Trey Kaufman-Wren will not play alongside Zach Eady. But if Zach Eady or Trace Jackson Davis is in foul trouble, then yeah, Kaufman-Wren or Renew are going to be in the game at the five. And it's what you can do against that other team's guy. You know, if it's Trey Kaufman-Wren in there against Trace Jackson Davis... What can Purdue do? Can Purdue kind of keep themselves afloat without Zach Eady? Ditto for Indiana. You know, if Trace Jackson Davis were in foul trouble, can Malik Renew keep them afloat against Zach Eady? That's a matchup that I, I think is really interesting, but you just can't can't understate the importance of David Jenkins Jr. coming off the bench um, to help that offense just kind of stay on the right path. Had an NCAA tournament question here, uh, one that I got from two people. I had one person ask if it'd be better for Purdue to be the top number two seed instead of the fourth number one seed 
so that Purdue would be placed in the Midwest region versus the West region. And then someone said, am I crazy to say I'd rather be a two seed in the South region than a one seed in the East region? So where people are getting these from, uh, right now the current ESPN bracketology has Purdue as the number four one seed in the West region, whereas the selection committee's mock 16-team deal had Purdue as the one seed in the East. I will, I'll say this here. You know, I think the, I talked about this two weeks ago, I believe. The historical data is strong enough to me that I don't care where you're at, you want to be a one seed. Uh, the one seed goes to the final four about 40% of the time. The two seed, about 60. Uh, excuse me, A1 seed and A2 seed. That's kind of what you're looking at here. So, yeah, um, you want to be the one seed. You're infinitely more likely to get to the final four and as we know, there's no more Final Four hungry fan base in America than Purdue. This is an interesting year. You know, as far as this question goes, the South region is where the advantage is for Purdue rather than the Midwest. Uh, the South region, the regional Sweet 16 Elite Eight, will be in Louisville this year, whereas the Midwest region will be played in Kansas City. And while I am sure there are some Purdue fans in Kansas and in Missouri, there are going to be a lot more Purdue fans in that driving distance range to Louisville that's you know a couple hours from Lafayette and Indianapolis. So Purdue would want the South region here. Um, if Alabama, as is projected right now, holds on to the number one overall seed, of course, uh, Lord knows what's going on with Alabama right now and all of the Brandon Miller stuff. But hypothetically, if Alabama is the number one overall seed and they're in the South region, the NCAA won't send the top two seed there. Um, they won't. They won't send the number five overall team to the same region as the number one overall seed. So you have that working against you. Um, if you're the top two seed, you don't necessarily get regional preference. Uh, that goes out the window with the one seeds, really. Um, they'll try not to completely screw you, but you know there's no guarantees here. Uh, if you're in the Midwest, you know I, I don't know what type of an advantage you're going to get in Kansas City. I think the one thing that you don't want as far as regions go is you don't want to be put in a spot where you have a de facto road game right now. If Purdue's on the one line, it looks like they would play their first and second round games in Columbus, Ohio, no matter what region they're in, that would be much preferred. That'd be a, that's the closest spot to, to campus for Purdue. You would certainly welcome that opportunity, but you don't want these road game scenarios. For example, out in the East region, I don't think you really want to play UConn in New York City. Uh, if you're in the Midwest region and things shake up a little differently, you don't want to play Kansas or Kansas State in Kansas City. You don't want that. Um, 
I, I don't know that you would want to play like, like I don't know that you even if you're in Louisville, you know, I don't know that you'd want to play Kentucky there. And I don't know how that would really work out just with the seed lines, but you get the point. Uh, or if you go out west, do you want to play UCLA or or Arizona? I never know if those schools fans actually care or not, but you know, I don't know that you want that. That's what you want to avoid. Like in the mock uh, mock region that Purdue was placed in by the selection committee, it was in New York City, but it was with UCLA, Iowa State, and Marquette. Purdue's geographically the closest school to New York City of those. So while Purdue may not have some massive home court advantage there, nobody will. It's not like you're going to get some massive advantage for someone unless, like Purdue experienced last year, you get an underdog that gets there and then the whole whole world is rooting for them. Um, but you just don't want to have that natural road game situation where you've got an entire arena full of opposing fans um, preying on your downfall. Add one, ask for an update on basketball recruiting for next year. Yeah, I'll presume you're talking about who's going to be on campus next year. That's going to be Miles Colvin. Uh, he's the only player Purdue has signed in the 2023 class here. Uh, 6'5", off-ball guard from Heritage Christian in Indianapolis. Of course, the Colvin last name. Quite famous in Purdue athletics. He's the son of Roosevelt Colvin. Um former Purdue defensive end, and believe he won a Super Bowl in the NFL. Um, longtime NFL player. His sister is a volleyball player at Purdue. Uh, very athletic genes with Miles Colvin. He's the only player coming in out of the high school ranks. I will definitely talk about him in more detail over the summer and how he slots in, but he's someone who... I think projects as competing for playing time. Uh, he's very athletic, very good athlete. Um, now the structure of a college offense is going to be different than what he does at Heritage Christian. Uh, it's going to be a big adjustment just from a competition level standpoint. Um, he's done some nice stuff in USA basketball, played in some good events there. Matt Painter was really high on Miles Colvin. Uh, when he signed, you know, Matt Painter comments on the signees, and he really had nothing but glowing things to say about Colvin. Said he thought he's either said a top 20 or top 25 player in that class. So, someone to be excited about for sure. Um, I think as far as recruiting goes, that's going to be it for 2023. They have two uh, two commits in 2024, Jack Benter from Brownstown Central and Cannon Catchings from Brownsburg. As far as next year goes, though, I, I would think that Purdue will look in the transfer portal for a backup point guard uh, to replace David Jenkins Jr. I think it is going to be remarkably difficult to find a fit. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll find someone. I don't think they're going to compromise to get a guy in. But, you know, how many guys are going to be out in the transfer portal 
who are capable of playing in the Big Ten that are going to be willing to accept a role of like 10 minutes a game behind Braden Smith, 12 minutes a game behind Braden Smith. I don't know that you're going to find a ton of guys like that. So I, I suspect that you know Purdue's going to have a pretty pretty continuous roster here. Um, you will lose David Jenkins Jr. Whether you lose Zach Eady or not, time will tell. We'll talk about that once the season ends. But yeah, Miles Colvin comes in, and then we'll see what happens out of the transfer portal. I wanted to answer this one today because it's got to do with where Purdue projects now, and that is what a loss on Friday of the Big Ten tournament dropped Purdue from a one seed. Now, I presume this is under the assumption that Purdue wins its next three games, that it it defeats Indiana, Wisconsin, and Illinois, um, because if it loses one of those games, then I, I think that conversation is getting really, really heated up to the point where a loss on Friday of the Big Ten tournament probably would drop Purdue from a one seed. But if Purdue can do that, if Purdue can win out, which is easier said than done, uh, it's going to be difficult for Purdue to do that. Then if Purdue's going to the Big Ten tournament at 27-4, and four, you can probably feel pretty good about a one seed. Losing on Friday's not ideal. Um, now, I was looking at the bracket hypothetical projection today, and that 8-9 game was Rutgers-Maryland, which I don't think Purdue wants to see at all. Um, that doesn't, doesn't scream promise, but um, if you can go 3-0 and here, then you should feel good about being a one seed going into the Big Ten tournament. Now, of course, again, as I always disclaim, when it comes to seeding stuff, this is all relative. What are these other teams doing? How does Alabama handle all this drama? Does Houston slip up and lose to someone in the AAC? Kansas, uh, they're on fire. They've got 14 quad one wins. That's the most absurd resume statistic I've ever seen. They're probably safe, but... Can you go down to the two line? How about Texas, Arizona, UCLA? Uh, what do these teams do? So it's all relative. You don't want to lose on Friday. I think if you win your next three and you get to Saturday of the Big Ten tournament, you can Sharpie Purdue in as a one seed. It just depends which region they'll be in. Where would you rank the Big Ten in the Power Six this season? Uh, I'll probably go second. You know, clearly the Big 12 is number one. They're a remarkable league this year. The Big 10's really deep. Um, outside of Minnesota, and I, I guess you put Ohio State in this conversation now as well, but outside of those two, everyone's tough. I mean, look at what Nebraska's doing right now. Casey Tominaga is just carrying them. And they're competitive. They're beating good teams. They just beat Maryland. Uh, they've beat some good teams. So I think the Big Ten is probably the second best league. I know Ken Palm agrees with me. Um, not that that's the be-all, end-all. You know, of course, the SEC is good. Uh, Alabama, Tennessee, Texas A&M, that's a good league. Uh, the ACC is not all that great. 
The Big East is solid, but they've got some terrible teams. DePaul and Butler are awful. So I'll go with the Big Ten at second. Um, and certainly, you know, the Big Ten would love to get rid of its March uh, NCAA tournament. Little, uh, what's the right word? Little, the uh, reputation that follows them around, that they can't do it in the NCAA tournament. But it's been a good league this year. It's fun to watch. On a night, on a nightly basis, as someone who just loves watching Big Ten basketball, it's a fun league to watch every single year. It's a good league. Over under one and a half losses for Purdue between now and the start of the NCAA tournament. And I, I could have really helped myself if I saved this question for next week, but uh, I'm a bigger man than that. At least I'll tell myself. I'll go with the under. Um, I, I I'll look like an idiot if Purdue loses on Saturday, and then Purdue's gonna would have to win five games in a row to prove me right here. But I'll go with the under. I think Purdue wins out in the regular season. Uh, that game at Wisconsin's not going to be easy. You never know what you're getting with Illinois. Of course, Indiana games are never easy. But I'll take Purdue to win out, and then I'll, I'll take Purdue to lose in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, I'm not going to go with Purdue running the table here. Uh, I'd be surprised if Purdue won the Big Ten tournament, especially if they win an outright regular season title. But um, I'll take the under here very cautiously. Um, but if Purdue loses on Saturday or if Purdue loses one game in the regular season, then it goes to over. This was an interesting hypothetical um, that I got today from Riley, a good good follow on Twitter. Would you rather lose the Big Ten regular season, lose the Big Ten tournament, but make the Elite Eight or... Win the Big Ten regular season, win the Big Ten tournament, and lose in the Sweet 16. And this is this is a tough one. So, essentially, you're asking if 48 extra hours of your season, one extra win, is worth it. Now, if this were Elite Eight versus Final Four, or Round of 32 Sweet 16... I think I think the answer is a little more obvious, but you know, to go from Sweet 16 to Elite Eight, you know, you don't put up an Elite Eight banner. Um, you know, Purdue was in an Elite Eight a couple of years ago. You'd be dying to get back. You know, they they've they've been bounced in the Sweet 16 plenty of times. Uh, getting to the Sweet 16 is not exactly something new for Purdue. While getting to the Elite Eight, you know, in, in the 21st century, they've done it twice. This is a really tough one. Um, I would say as well that it would be really, really disappointing to not win the Big Ten title. Uh, to not even get a share of the Big Ten regular season title at this point would be beyond disappointing. Um, and I know, of course... If you're one that really defines the season by what happens in the NCAA tournament, then you probably don't care if Purdue wins a Big Ten title. 
But I think to miss out on a Big Ten title two years in a row, the given the way Purdue missed out on it last year and the way Purdue would miss out on it if they did this year, God, that would be really, really disappointing. So I'd almost say you take the Big Ten title and lose one round earlier um, just because of how disappointing it would be to not win that. But, you know, getting to the Elite Eight instead of Sweet 16, it's certainly a difference. Um, It's absolutely a difference. You're playing for a trip to the Final Four. uh, And if, you know, if you put Final Four on this, the answer is quite obvious. But I don't know. That's a really good one. I'll ever so slightly say that you win, win the Big Ten regular season, win the Big Ten tournament, lose in the Sweet 16 just because of how crushing it would be to lose the Big Ten regular season at this point, to finish second. And then finally, a good question from my friend Brian. uh, Asked what the best item on the menu is at Penguin Point. So a very small number of you that are listening will probably understand this question. Um, It's pretty much only relevant if you're from northern Indiana in that stretch from South Bend to Wabash. And you can go east a little bit from there as well. But um, if you don't, if you're not from that area, if you're not from the 574 or 260 area code, uh, you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's it, it's the best fast food. If you're from Warsaw like me, you've got three locations. Oh, it's fantastic. But Give me the tenderloin meal, no cabbage on the tenderloin, and they've got the the family-sized order of fries. It's like a full box, a box full of fries. Um, that's It's awesome. It's terrible for you. Um, you'll just want to sit on the couch and do nothing the rest of the day, but it's so good, man. Oh, now I'm hungry, but uh, good question, Brian. I, I could go for Penguin Point right now. That's all I've got for today and for this week. Again, thank you for spending time with me and a huge thank you to those of you who sent in questions. I really appreciate it. These are so much fun. I love doing the Q&A stuff. Um, If your question didn't get answered today, again, fear not. It'll get answered next week, I I promise. But if you think of new questions, send them over to me on Twitter. That's at Boilers Beyond. Be sure you're following there. Um, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss anything. Again, two episodes per week from now until whenever Purdue's NCAA tournament run ends. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it. Uh, I'll be back here on Sunday after the Purdue-Indiana game. Uh, I'll recap whatever goes down inside Mackey Arena. We'll look at whatever the realities are in the Big Ten race, and in the national landscape at that point. Uh, we got plenty to talk about, and that will uh, that'll put us right towards the end of February. Uh, that'll be Purdue's last game in February. So after the IU game, those games are in March. Until then, guys, I'll be back here Sunday. But until then, enjoy that game Saturday night and take care.